Do three psalms tonight, hopefully. Um, 62, 63, and 64. And they sort of form a triad. It's a very unusual uh, triad. It's, um, it's David uh, crying out to God. And it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how this breaks out. Um, You know, David was a, a mighty warrior, and he was a duly elected king. Do you know that? He was elected. He was elected by God to rule the nation. And um, he killed many enemies of God in battle. And God called him a man after God's own heart. Isn't that interesting? Uh, he, he killed a lot of people, and they didn't use guns Long distance, they had to get right up close and look them in the eyes and use a spear or a sword or whatever. Pretty bloody, ghastly. We'd say, wow, that's, that's, how can that be Christian? You know, that's terrible. And yet God called him a man after God's own heart. Let's look at Acts 13.22. Acts 13.22, just really quickly. After all, don't believe what I said. We need to find a scripture that stands that says that, and um, we'll find it back here, X thirteen twenty two. This was. Um, this was a sermon that was being given, and he said, and after he had removed him, he raised up David. We're talking about Saul had been removed as king because he had disobeyed God. After he'd removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. So he was a man after God's own heart. Ah. Uh, Say, man, what a bloody, what a bloody life. And yet he wrote the Psalms. Um, it's all about war, you know. Do you realize that we were all born in a war zone? You were born into a war zone. Now, we've been pretty blessed by being born into a nation that has provided a shell, a protection from the warfare that is going on. Yet we are part of a war. And... Um, Warfare has been the norm in heaven and on earth since Lucifer declared his manifesto of rebellion against his master, and, ex and he extended warfare to earth through this serpent and transmitted sin to mankind through Adam. It started actually in heaven. Did you know that there was war in heaven? Lucifer made a manifesto. He says, I'm going to be like God. I'm going to rule and basically, I'm throwing God out. You'll find it in uh, looking at Isaiah. Um, what we learn from David, though, is the secret of his leadership. And we learn from David how to fight a war God's way. 
We learn to fight a war through prayer. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10.4. Look at 2 Corinthians 10.4. Corinthians 10.4. Uh, I'm going to start a little before that. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing that raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So we are fighting, we are in a war, war and we are fighting a war but it's a war that is not fought with uh, the we- common weapons. Look at Ephesians 6.12. Ephesians 6.12. And of course, it's a famous one, Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle, okay, let's start with 11. Let's start with 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. You realize that we are in a war that God is winning. God is winning. In fact, the enemy has already been defeated 2,000 years ago. Our Savior hung on a cross, and the enemies of God thought, man, I've got God right where I want him, in a human body, and we're going to kill him. And yet God had a secret plan. That very act was going to set men free and cut off the head of the serpent. Remember what it said in Genesis? Went what, uh, when uh, uh, Adam and Eve were presented with their their curse for the uh, because of what they had done, and he said uh, of the of the uh, of the woman he said your seed um, will crush the serpent's head as he bites your he bites his, the, the seed's heel. Well, that's what happened. Satan thought he had Jesus on the cross, and he bit his heel. It was just a flesh wound, you might say. But God crushed his head, crushed the serpent's head. Now, why are we still around if, that's, if the war is over? Well, God had another plan he didn't tell us about. He wanted to bring many sons into, into his kingdom. And... Uh, so that's what he's in the process of doing. So why am I talking about warfare? Well, we're 4th of July. It was the beginning of a war. It was a war for independence. It was just a declaration that was made on July 4th. But then the war began, and it was a good war because it was to set us free from um, the abuses of Great Britain. So 
we get to, we get to um, we're going to get to Psalm. Those of you who've been in my Bible studies know that uh, we're going to be on time, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, you will be let out at 7.45, um, and we'll have actually gather for prayer, and then you can leave at 8 if you'd like. So you can gather, we'll gather around for prayer, and then we, we can leave at 8. Uh, so you'll be on time. Now, we learn from that prayer is the tool that God uses to fight war. And we're going to learn that from David. Let's turn to Psalm 62. Um, we don't know when, when David wrote this, but uh, obviously he, he did write it at some point and he deliberately sat down and wrote this. It was something came out of his heart. The Psalms are not like a theological um, um, a theological explanation or a theological teaching like some like Romans or something like that. Yet, um, yet David revealed incredible things about God because God, David didn't just know about God, you know, head knowledge. You can read the book of Romans and Hebrews and get a lot of head knowledge and you can know about God, but David knew God. There's a big difference. God, he knew God. I'd love to know God like David knew God. That's why God called him a man after his own heart. He didn't call him his man after his own heart because he killed a whole bunch of people like Goliath and a lot of Philistines and people like that. He called him a man after his own heart because he had a special relationship. He loved God with all his heart and he expressed it. He was a gifted writer. But I, and, and he wrote these songs, but I think he did more than that. I believe these are his prayers. These are David's prayers. So we can, he's, he was expressing himself to God just like we should. We, when, we're, when we are going through trials and things like that. It, apparently, he was in a situation where there was a lot of, um, didn't look like it was warfare, open warfare. But uh, although there was a rebellion at, at one time with Absalom trying to take over the throne, his son. Uh, you can read about that. Um, in the um, uh, back in the in the in uh, Samuel and Kings, well, not Kings, but in Samuel, go into Samuel, you'll find that. Um, and he starts out this this uh, psalm, and you can just just picture it. He's in a very quiet place. Maybe he's gone through a harrowing experience, and. Put yourself in his place. You'll see, you'll see what's going on, and yet we'll see how he, he, he follows, he, how he deals with the rebellion going on in his kingdom. He says, my soul waits in silence for God only. Does it sound like the, he's, he's in great fear? 
He says, my soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. Do you think that uh, salvation is going to come by the sword or whatever? He's trusting God. We We all find ourselves in situations like that where we are at the end of ourselves. There's no hope and we don't know what to do. This is the approach that we should take when we, when and in his, when we uh, face things that we cannot deal with. Um, fear creates paralysis. Fear creates paralysis, and hopelessness causes us to give up and go into depression. But when we trust in God. It gives, he gives us courage and strength in himself. So David says, I, in the face of this difficulty, in the face of this hopeless situation, I, my soul waits in silence for God alone. For him, from him is my salvation. Not only spiritual salvation, we're talking about he's going to rescue me from my situation. He, is, he only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. So then he says, how long will you assail a man that you may murder him, all of you? Like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence. They have counseled only to thrust him down from his high position. They delight in falsehood. They bless with their mouth, but inwardly they curse. Selah. Think about this, pause. My soul waits in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. O God, my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Men of low degree are only vanity, and men of rank are a lie. In the balances, they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Do not trust in oppression, and do not vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. Once God has spoken, Twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and loving kindness is thine, O Lord, that thou dost recompense a man according to his work. Now we're going to go back and we're going to go back and go through it just quickly with some explanations. Um, okay. It's interesting as we go through here, first of all, he is he's stating the fact that he is trusting in God, that God is his stronghold, that uh, he, and he says, he is my rock and my salvation. Well, we find in, in Proverbs 18.10, a verse that every one of us should remember. I have gone, I have gone through many harrowing experiences um, 
there were, there were times when I didn't know what to do. And I relied on this one passage and some others. And I would repeat them over and over again. The Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. They who run to him are safe. That's a transliteration. I didn't want to spend time running and getting it. The picture here is of a man being chased. And he's, he's, maybe he's being chased by the enemy. And there are maybe arrows coming at him. And they're, getting, they're catching up with him. And they're going to, they're going to grab him and, and murder him. And he comes to this big stone tower. And there's a doorway in the tower. And he runs to the door, and before he gets there, the door opens, and an arm reaches out and grabs him, pulls him in, slams the door, and he's safe. That's the way the Lord is to us in every circumstance. If you've not experienced that, I encourage you to just, next time you're in it, you will be. We all are. Um, for some, it may become next paycheck or uh, we never know what's going to happen in our lives. But um, he, um, he is a stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. Okay. Then he says, he starts attack. He goes after his accusers, after his enemies. He says, how long will you assail a man that you may murder him, all of you? These people were out to murder him. They were out to murder him, like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence. Now, when you come across a passage like that, that says, for me, it says, what in the world are they talking about? It sounds like there's, doesn't quite make sense. Well, when you come to a passage and you find a, a, something that doesn't make sense, start digging in the Bible, okay? Start digging. Let's see if we can find another passage that is similar to that. Um, yeah. Okay, let's go to Isaiah 30, 12 through 15. Everybody has their Bible, of course. There's a Bible study. Um, Isaiah 30, 12 through 15. Therefore, thus says the Holy One of Israel, since you have rejected this word and you have put your trust in oppression and guile and you have relied on them, therefore this iniquity will be to you like a breach about to fall, a bulge in a high wall whose collapse comes suddenly in an instant and whose collapse is like the smashing of a potter's jar so ruthlessly shattered that a shard will not be found among its pieces to take fire from a hearth or to scoop water from a cistern. And um, what, what he's saying is, as we go back to Psalm 62, is these people don't realize that they're about to collapse. They're after him, but they don't realize that their end is near. And they are like a, a bulge in a wall. A wall that's, you know, when a wall starts bulging, you better run because it's about ready to go down. And so he says, um, as these people are trying to find ways to get to him, 
Okay. He says, my soul, wait in silence for God only. He says here in, in nine, men of low degree are only vanity and men of high rank are a lie. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Men of low degree, thugs basically. You thugs, you're only vanity, you're empty. I'm not afraid of you. And um, men of high degree have a different, word, a different method, they lie. You can find a lot of that in high places today. Just turn on your television to a news hour and uh, you'll find plenty of evidence for that. Um, so, and then he says, do not trust in oppression and do not vainly hope in robbery. If, <laughs> that's interesting, do not vainly hope in robbery. If you're gonna find some solutions to your problems, he says, um, don't trust in oppression. Don't try to oppress somebody else to try to get a solution to your problem. Uh, and don't vainly hope in robbery. Don't go out and try to rob someone. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. Don't trust in luck. And don't think that just because you have money that you're going to, or riches, that that is going to protect you. Um, only God will protect. Only God. God does answer prayer. God does answer prayer. I went through one very dark time. And um, um, Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and it was weak through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law should be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to flesh, but according to spirit. I remember re memorizing that and saying it over and over and over again. You know, when you're in deep torment because of situations, the only thing you can do, is, it's all in your head, and the only thing you can do is to take those thoughts captive and you flood them out with Scripture. You flood them out with Scripture. There was another thing that saved me. I had, somebody gave me this disc, and it was a, there was a song, Come, Now Let Us Worship. Come, Let Us Bow Down. I don't know how many times I played that song over and over and over and over. Had headphones on, I'd go to work and I'd pretend like I'm really okay. Um, I'd play it over and over and over again. And I remember the passage that in Job where he said when he lost all of his children, he said, and lost everything, he said, he bowed down and worshiped. That's what David's doing here. He worshiped God. My soul waits in silence for God only, for from, from him is my salvation. Believe me, it works. It works. And no matter how bad it is, if you're still alive, he's got a job for you to do, and he will deliver you. He will deliver you. Uh, 
we're going to get on to 63. Otherwise, we won't get to 64. So let's go on. Believe me, I could go on any one of these for quite a while. So um, let's go to 63. Uh, this was this is an interesting passage because this you you see the heart of heart of David, and it's it's a it's one that's that is uh, quoted quite often. But sub, commit this thing to memory. In fact, we might even find a song in here. Oh God, thou art my God; I shall seek thee earnestly. My soul thirsts for thee, my flesh yearns for thee in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now, we're not talking just about the fact he might have been hiding out in the desert where there is no water. He's talking about the fact that there is no nurturing of his soul. He's dry. He's been abandoned. He's hiding probably from his enemies, trying to kill him. Could have been Saul. Could have been Absalom. And they're his group. You know, he had a lot of problems in his life, but he trusted in the Lord. Thus I have beheld thee in the sanctuary to see thy power and thy glory, because thou, thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise thee, so I will bless thee as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. Ah, there's a song in there. You know? um, thy loving kindness is better than life. Thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise thee, thus will I bless thee. I will lift up my hands unto thy name. I lift my hands up unto thy name. I lift my hands up unto thy name. My lips shall praise thee, yet will I bless thee. Do you remember Calvary Chapel, the Jesus people, the Jesus time, you know, what a time when the Jesus revolution, what a day, what time. That was one of those songs came right out of here. So my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. Let's look at six. When I remember thee on my bed, I meditate on thee in the night watches for thou hast been my help. And in the shadow of thy wings, I sing for joy. My soul clings to thee. My right hand upholds me. Imagine that. But those who seek my life, here's a change. But those who seek my life to destroy it will go down into the depths of the earth. They will be delivered over to the power of the sword. They will be a prey for foxes. But the king will rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him will glory. Wow, that's a good, a great thing, a great um, passage. Um, uh, 
That's what happens when you have lots of notes, get tangled up in the notes. I'd rather just read it and explain it, but um, got too much to share. Um, he talks about the fact that he, here he's, he says, I remember, verse two, thus I beheld thee in the sanctuary to see thy power and thy glory. He says, I, he's saying, I remember Psalm 27, four through six. Let's look at 27, four through six. He says, I remember, I remember. 27, four through six. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. He talks about the sanctuary, this sanctuary, this place of protection, this place of being hidden away from his enemies. At that time, the sanctuary was on a little hill called Shiloh in Israel. And what was this sanctuary like? was a tent. It's a tent that had been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. And that's where, that's where they would give their offerings. That's where they would worship God. Uh, the, uh, uh, Samuel was there. He would live there basically and took, and people would come and, uh, uh, they would, uh, do all the things that they had been doing in the wilderness. Remember, it started, it was built in the wilderness many years ago, years before that. But he talks about it as a place of, of rest. And he, he, I can imagine, you know, in, in the sanctuary, there were two compartments. In this tent, there were two compartments. There was a holy place. And then inside of that was, and at one end was this holy of holies. And inside the holy of holies, there was this box. And on the lid of the box, there a gold box uh, lid. It really wasn't a lid. It was actually another thing set on top. There was this, this gold lid with two angels with their, arm, their wings brought up like this. And in the middle of that, that thing, there was, there was the glory of God, the Shekinah glory. And uh, when it was in the wilderness, that that shine kind of glory shone, shone every day, all day long and at night. During the night, it would shoot up a, a shaft of light that would light the, the area and provide protection from their enemies. And I'll bet it scared them too. What is that? <laughs> and during the day, there was a cloud. Do you know that that cloud was not just a little skinny thing like a pillar of smoke? It was a cloud that covered the sun and provide them, provided them with shade. If I had time, I'd take you to another passage that describes it exactly. But we'll have to let you search it out. It isn't just in the, in the book of Exodus, but check it out. Um, and so he says, I, I, I thirst for you 
and I long to be in the sanctuary uh, where I can worship you. What's different about worship of God back then in David's time and worship today? Um, or let's say our relationship then. Before Christ, before Christ rose from the dead, when people died, they would go to Sheol. And we'll talk about that. They would go to Sheol, the place of the dead. And the Holy Spirit came upon them when they were alive for acts of service, acts of um, to, to do God's, to God's bidding. And, but after the, after the cross, after, the, after Christ was accepted by the Father into heaven, the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and he came within us. Before he would come upon them, now we have him within us. So where is the sanctuary now? Do we go to a place, a sanctuary to find God, to worship God? No, he's within each one of us. He indwells us. We say, well, we're going to go into the sanctuary here to, to sing songs and read the Bible and study and, and praise the Lord. This is, this is a meeting room, you know, really. It's not something special. I'm not trying to discount it. It's not a special holy place. It's a, it is a place where we meet. Because it's in here. Wherever you go, that's where the church is. Even if you're all by yourself. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. But you know, one person, he's still inside. There's no midst in front of me with. But he, in the past, he, he was in a certain place. He was in the temple. He was in the, in the sanctuary, the, the, the tent of meeting. But now he's within us. We are the church. A building's not the church. It's a place where the church meets. So we have something better. We have something better. We can pray to God. And you know, even if we don't know how to pray, he was an awesome prayer. <laughs> he was able to pray. But you know, even when we don't know how to pray, did you know that that Holy Spirit that lives within us, look in Romans, even if we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit already knows what, we're, we, we, what we really desire. And he knows the answer, and he prays for us. It says in words that can't be expressed. Can't be expressed because we can't figure out what it is that we... Have you ever prayed, you know, you're in such, such under such pressure that you don't even know how to pray. You don't even know what to pray about. You just say, Lord, you know what I need. I don't have any answers. I don't, I'm seeking you. He says, use this one. Okay. Oh Lord, oh God, thou art my God. I shall seek thee earnestly. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh yearns for thee in a dry and weary land where there is no water. You can use that one. 
Did you know you can pray the prayers, <laughs> the prayers of David? And um, it's certainly a, a good starter. And then, you know, you'll break out and you'll say, Lord, this is my need. This is it. But pray, pray, pray David's prayers. Um, I want to cover one more thing here real quickly. Because in verse 9, in verse 9, he says, But those who seek my life to destroy it will go down into the depths of the earth. This is speaking of Sheol, and it is a real place. It is a real place called, called Sheol in, in the Hebrew, Hades in the Greek. Um, and uh, let's, let's um, go to Luke 16, 19 through 31, because, you know, I, I think we could uh, trust that passage to learn a little bit about Sheol. Uh, because after all, it was Jesus who was not telling a parable, but he was, he was actually talking about real people in a real place. He said, um, Luke 16, 19 through 31. Now there was a certain rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, gaily living in splendor every day. And a certain poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate, covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs from which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now it came about the poor man died, and he was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his tongue in the water and cool off, dip his finger in the water and cool off my tongue, for I'm in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he's being comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between us and you, there is a great chasm fixed in order that those who wish to come over from here to you may not be able, and that none may cross over from there to us. And then he goes on. He said, um, now, this was a real place. It's the place of the dead. And it's interesting, difference between Old Testament believers, New Testament believers, you know, they're both saved by faith. They sacrificed because they, they offered sacrifices to cover their sin. Temporarily, God said he overlooked their sin because of the sacrifices. But the sacrifices didn't save them. It was faith in God and what he was going to do. He was going to redeem them. And David even talks about that. Um, but when those people died, they went to this place called Abraham's bosom. But what about now? When, in that time, there were people who went to Sheol or to the, the place of torments in Abraham's bosom. It's in the earth. Jesus talks about it being in the earth. All the references are down. Cave systems throughout the earth. We know that the fountains of the deep rose up during the flood. Well, those fountains were, came out of the cave systems that were under the oceans, under the ocean beds now. But um, 
believe me, there are plenty of passages if you just dig. You will find all kinds of passages that will teach you a lot. In Job and other places, I can't, don't have time to cover them. I only have a few more minutes before I, and I want to get to the last pas- passage. Um, but the difference is that today, when Christ rose from the dead, he emptied paradise, the paradise side. They were with him. When we die, we, are, we don't go to Sheol. We are present with the Lord. Our spirits are present with the Lord and then we'll be given a brand new body. There's a difference. Because in the Old Testament, they had not been redeemed yet. They, they had been covered. They had not been redeemed yet until after Christ rose from the dead. Now, all mankind is redeemed. So, when he says that they are, these, people, these bad people are going to go to Sheol, um, it's a real place. It's not like he's just giving a curse, you know, something like that. Some people might read that and say, oh, well, that's just a bad way of saying bad things are going to happen to these people. Uh, let's, let's go back here. Um, okay, let's go to... Psalm 64, because we don't have much more time. Obviously, I haven't been able to cover a lot. But you have the tool right in front of you. And I'll tell you what, if you have a question, ask this. There's a lot about the Bible in here, and there's a lot of great sites. You just ask what, like, what is Sheol? And you'll get about, 50 pages of stuff on Sheol and all the scripture verses or whatever. Anything you have a question, look it up on Google. You'll find it. Anyway, let's go to 64 because I promise you, oh, five minutes. (laughs) Okay. This was the good part too. By the way, when we read this, we're just going to read it because we only have five minutes. Remember, this was written by a guy named David who was God's elected leader for Israel, duly elected. As we read this, see if there's any parallel with a duly elected leader today. Just ponder it. Okay, this is, this, this is now David talking to God about his situation, okay? Hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from dread of the enemy. Hide me from a secret council of evildoers. Mueller report. Oh, what was that? Um, From the tumult of those who do iniquity. They were talking about violence here. Tumult. The confusion, the mass mess of those who do iniquity. Who have sharpened their tongue like a sword. Do we hear that on TV every night, every newscast? Oh, my. Uh, they, they aimed bitter speech as their arrow to shoot from concealment at the blameless. Suddenly they shoot at him and they do not fear. They hold fast to themselves an evil purpose. They talk of laying snares secretly. They say, who can see them? God can. They devise injustices saying, we're ready with a well-conceived plot. 
For the inward thought and the heart of a man are deep, well-conceived plot. Seven, but God will shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly they will, suddenly they will be wounded. So they will make him stumble. Their own tongue is against them. All who see them will shake the head. Then all men will fear and will declare the work of God and will consider what he has done. The righteous man will be glad in the Lord and will take refuge in him. And all the upright in the heart will glory. This is talking about palace intrigue. Um, there were, David had plenty of enemies within his family, within his country, and without. And it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed over the years. Politics, they say, they say don't ever talk about religion and politics, okay? Because you'll, you'll, everybody has a side, and they'll just fight each other, and, they won't, and, and you'll, you'll just make enemies. You won't make any friends. Do you know what politics and religion are together, you might say? What, what is the real issue here between, with politics? It is answering the question of who will rule. It's not really the issue of this group of people against this group of people. It's this group of people against that person. It's the same thing that started in heaven when one of the angels who was in a very privileged position, look in Ezekiel, a very privileged position. He, it appears that he may have been the bodyguard, you might say, the head of the, body, head of the guards around the throne. It's very possible. He had a very high and exalted position, and yet he led a rebellion against the most high God, he was able to go around and convince a third of the angels, and we don't know how many that is, to, re to, lead, to engage in a rebellion against the most high God. Figure that one out. Is that insanity? And yet today, there are lots of insane people. They go against the most high God. They say, who is he? He's nothing. Yeah, religion. You know, you can have it. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll have my own stuff, whatever. Um, anyway, it's been like that ever since. There have always been the cabal, the groups that are trying to control the world. And um, God says, you're not going to win. You know, we've read the last, we've read the end of the book. When you read the end of the book, we're, we just have almost finishing up Revelation. We have one more chapter in the book of Revelation that we've been studying for about two or three years in, on Tuesday nights. And um, guess what? God wins. Just like David said, he said, God's win. He'll win. These guys, they're vain, vain, empty. They cannot win. Okay, 746. I've talked enough. You can certainly uh, just follow. If you, I, I urge you to read through these a number of times. And I'll tell you what. If you don't like to read and you really want to get it pounded into your head, you can go to BibleGateway.com. 
actually Bible Gateway. It's an app on your phone, and you can have an audio Bible. You just, you just click on the audio Bible, and you go in there, and you find the verses you want. Play them over and over and over and over like it's been going on at our, our house for about a week because <laughs> I had to memorize the verses. Anyway, let's pray. Oh, by the way, we're going to break up in prayer. And I would encourage you to pray for our country. We're going to pr pray for about 15 minutes. You can leave at 8. You can leave now if you want. But I would encourage you, let's, let's get together in groups and pray for our country. Pray for our president. Pray for the incredible things he's doing. He walked across, the first president to walk across into North Korea ever, ever. And you're going to see peace in North Korea. It's going to be incredible. It's incredible. It's all the things that are going on. Brand new world coming. Anyway, he's not Jesus, by the way. Not Jesus. Jesus is going to come to a, a world that's, and, and really save it. Let's, I'm going to pray, and then we'll let's break up. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, and Lord, there's so much that we hardly even scrape the surface I pray, Lord, that you would just guide and direct us. Help us to use this as a springboard to go out and do the searches uh, on all the words that we didn't understand, all the passages, and find the other scriptures that support them and, and explain them and back them up. We just thank you that we can know you because you've revealed yourself in Jesus and you revealed yourself through your word. And uh, we owe everything to you, Lord. And we thank you for David's leading the way in depending on you in all circumstances. And Lord, whatever things are on our minds right now, the things that are, are tearing us apart, the things that we long to, to see resolved, we, Lord, we lift those up to you. And oh, Lord, there are people who have cancer. There are people who are separated from, from their loved ones. There are people who are facing uh, many perils. And I pray, Lord, that you would, you would just lift us up, encourage us, and be our... Be our our standard, be our battle flag, and be, be our, our, our savior in all these circumstances, as you already are. If there's anybody who does not know Jesus as your savior, if you do not know for sure that you have an eternal relationship with the living God, then I urge you, don't wait. Talk to somebody and, and uh, accept Jesus as your Savior.